from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. I think we've identified the smartest player in all of college basketball. He also just so happens to be from Raleigh. That will be one of the answers to our Hey Joe questions. So I'll turn that over to Dennis. Joe cracked the door. All right, hey, Joe, brought to you by Oak City Sports Cards, oakcitycards.com. First one comes from Ian. Hey, Joe, is there anyone under the age of 50 who doesn't like the pitch clock? So today the Twins and the Marlins played a game that started at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Two hours and 10 minutes, over. Marlins win 5-2. Love it. Every game so far, other than like these crazy high-scoring games, has basically been a two-and-a-half-hour afternoon or night. Makes life a little bit easier. Except, Anthony, I played golf this weekend with a 21-year-old. Ian is his name. He says to me, he goes, I hate the pitch clock. I was like, huh? <laughs> How old are you? He goes, 21. I go, wait, what? Why do you hate the pitch clock? <laughs> he goes, because when I go to a game, I want they stop serving beer after the seventh inning. And when they get to these, if it gets to the seventh inning too soon, I can't buy any more beer. And I'm like, you, you got to be kidding me right now. Like, this is not a reason to dislike the pitch clock. And I hope your golf game is better than your baseball takes. That's terrible. His That's golf game is actually pretty good. Is it good? <laughs> yes. All right. All right, there you go. Well, he's golfing. That's great. He's got all afternoon but to golf. He's got baseball the rest of us. Thank God. Thank he's, God. He does have company under the age of 50, though. Manny Machado yesterday got ejected in the first inning. For a pitch clock violation, this is what it sounded like on the on the Padres telecast. Wow! So with eight seconds, that's wow. going to be strike three. Wow! Man, he was kind of fiddling around with his batting gloves, and it got to eight seconds. He was not ready and looking back out at the pitcher, and he's going to argue this, but that is strike three. It's a, it's a strike. The count was three and two. Oh no! And Bob he... Melvin has been ejected. Was it Machado or Melvin who was ejected? Somebody just got tossed. It was Machado who got ejected. Now, the very first part is the answer to the question. He was fiddling with his batting gloves like Nomar Garcia Parra. Like, you're the one to blame for all of this. Of course, it's a Boston player that is to blame for all of the woes of professional baseball. God, but he used to do like six times like each glove. After oh my each God. and before every pitch. And it was like, dude, what are we doing? The Yankee game right now is in the top of the ninth. It started at one. All we had to do was get them to stop fiddling with gloves and I get an hour of my life back? Yes. That's going to be the real test, though. The first Yankees-Red Sox game because those are like four-hour marathons under oh the old rules. God. But I, I love it. Get rid of the shift. That's been cool. Love it. I don't know about these larger bases. that They're trying to tell us it's a great thing. Sure, if you if you say so. Yeah, whatever. I whatever. Yeah, that whatever. one seems a little bit minor to me, but the pitch clock. And what had happened there was you have to be ready. He was trying to call timeout, but once it gets to eight seconds, you can't do that. Hence, the punishment is a strike if you're the batter and violate the pitch clock. And that was the third strike, so he was out. And then, obviously, he, he used some sort of magic word to get ejected. Now, we can argue he shouldn't have been ejected. I, I get all that, but it does seem to me that the pitch clock has been really, really good for baseball. Move the games. Let's go. All right, Cox. What you got next? From Joe. Hey, Joe, what is an acceptable age to go, Greg? <sighs> yeah, I, I, I've been fighting this, Anthony. And, you know, 
Well, I, I just don't know when it's time to just say, it's okay. You can be gray. I'm going to be 48 in 20 days. Okay. I got I got a kid who's about to graduate from high school. It's okay now, right? Yeah, he's on spring break. But it, but it's okay for me to be gray now. Absolutely. And I would describe it as salt and pepper okay. right now for the audience. <laughs> okay. I would say salt and pepper. But that's because I have my product in. Oh, and the product makes it look darker than it really is. Okay. But it, it's a full head of hair, though. Oh, I, I, have I would all rather of my hair. go gray. I, I'm good. Now, I'm thankfully, I am not gray. Although my 34? Kids, 35. 35. Okay. 35 years young. But uh, no, full head of hair over, you know, I, I'll go gray before going bald. I think you, you have a great, you know, you're in a great spot. Okay. Except the gray. 45, 46. What's, what's, a, what's the right age? Ah, you're over 40. You made Over it. 40. Over 40, you made it. I don't know if I would have accepted it at 41. I'm not going to lie to you. I think this is the first year where I'm like, okay, it's okay. It's the... Yeah, the beard too. Yeah, it, there's nothing. Oh, the beard my is beard, going too. My beard has like red in it too. My beard is weird. Yeah, you do have some. It, it's like a. I can do nothing about it. I my beard is is multicolored and it's to the point where I was in New Orleans at the Final Four last year. The woman working the the checkout counter. It was like four thirty in the morning because I don't ever really sleep, and I went in to get coffee from this like corner store in New Orleans in the French Quarter. And she looks at me and she goes, can I ask you a personal question? And I was like, sure. You know, it's like, yeah, it's early, Orleans, whatever. Yeah, what is go. going on here? She goes, do you dye your hair? And I was like, well, I have a shampoo that I use. Yeah. So sometimes it, it can be a little darker. And she's like, oh, well, why don't you dye your beard? And mm. I was like. Deep, deep cuts in yeah. New Orleans at like, 430 yeah. in the morning. I was like, damn. I was like, and why are you drinking <laughs> coffee? Are you up for the night before? Are you out on the streets? No, what? I was up. You coming or you going? No, what's going on? I was coming. I was coming. Not right, going. Right, so, right. yes. So, ever since then, I've had like this existential crisis about what, what is the appropriate age. So, I think I'm there. You're there. Now that James, who turns 18 in tomorrow, uh, I think it's acceptable. Well, you fought the fight. You fought I the did. Fight. I did. It looks great, though. All right, I'm trying. All right, next, guys. Yeah! I'm 36, and I have gray in my beard. There you go. It's okay, and I've accepted You're it. okay with it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Girlfriend likes it. From Utah, hey, Joe, is Justin McCoy your new favorite college basketball player? Yes, absolutely. Yes, Justin McCoy. Not only is he my new favorite, he is the smartest player in all of college basketball. Began his career at Virginia. Spent two years there. Transferred to Carolina. He's, he's from Panther Creek. Grew up here in the Triangle. Grew up in Raleigh. And a lot of kids who grow up here want to play for Carolina. Didn't get, quite get as much playing time with the Tar Heels as he did at Virginia. But now he's got a year left. Guess where he's going? Send it. He is going to Hawaii. He is going to spend his final year in college basketball in Hawaii. How smart is this man? All expense paid trip. Hang out. <laughs> I mean, Maybe you got a couple NIL bucks in your pocket. Even if you don't. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm eating It's a scholarship I'm for eating sure. Grilled fish, pineapples, coconuts. I'm doing it all the way up. I love watching kids use the transfer portal like this. I don't know why more people don't. Maybe he's gonna start the trend. I'm I would go. When you were in Long Island growing up. Where did you want to go to school? Cal Berkeley. My there mother wouldn't go. let me. Yep. See? Yep. Pepperdine was always on my Pepperdine's list. High. Pepperdine was always on my list. That's what my grandmother was, always told me about Go to Pepperdine. Go. It's in Malibu. Like, yeah, come on. Because Hawaii, I do understand as an undergrad, making a four-year commitment, you probably aren't coming home. Like, yeah. when you go, you're there. Yeah. Right? Like, you ain't going back to Jersey on spring break 
for no. Hawaii, no. right? Yeah. You're there. You're probably staying there. So I get it, though. This is the best case scenario, though. So hats off and applause to Justin McCoy for making his decision to finish his basketball career in Hawaii. All right, Dennis, we got time for one or two more? Yeah, we do. Okay. How are you doing? From the egg. Hey, Joe, which show has more redeemable characters, Succession or Breaking Bad? Also, please, no spoilers. Yes, no spoilers. All right, so Karen, who works back in accounting, looking for Ovius the other day, she's like, "Do you, was it you or Ovius that was talking about Succession? I was like, it's probably Joe, but yes, I do watch the show. And she's like, we just started it. My husband, and she's retired. She's like, my husband and I just started it last year. We're trying to get into it. And she's like, am I going to like any of the characters at some point? No. <laughs> and I was like. No. Uh-uh. Greg the Egg. Greg. Greg it's the Greg. Egg. It's Greg. Yes. Greg is the one guy. I like Tom, though. Tom is funny. This season in particular, Tom and Greg have been like... Oh, they're great. There's been some buddy cop movie vibes going on there. Anytime they're on the scene, to get, like doing something together, they're phenomenal. They're great together. All right, so I can count two redeemable characters in succession. Who's your... Oh, you got those Tom two? and Greg. Yeah, Tom and Greg. All right. Okay. Breaking Bad, I have two, I think. If we could bend our mind a little bit. Who's your two? I've got Mike, Ermin Trout. Oh, he's great. Yeah. Even though technically. <laughs> yeah. No, but he's still great. He lives by a code. He does live by a code. He lives by a code. That is a critical. That's my barometer. Working for a drug dealer, yes. but. A man got to have a code. Mm-hmm. There it is. And then I think Hank. Yeah, Hank. For I sure. think Hank, Hank is a redeemable sure. character yeah. on, on Breaking Bad. He has a different code. However, I'm into it. Yes. Right? Uh, 100%. No one else on that show. Maybe you could talk me into Jesse by Jesse, the end of the redemptive arc. Into, Jesse, yeah, yeah he, he, the beginning, yes, no, no. He cannot. <laughs> he's not. But towards the end, no spoilers. I feel like he, you know, you're rooting for him at okay. least. That's fair. So I'm going to go push on that. I'm going to go push. <laughs> push. No, on the number of redeemable characters. All right, guys, I think we have time for one more. Yeah. From Australian for golf. Hey, Joe. No, really, who do you like to win the Masters? All right, our our old producer and our friend Jonathan Rand texted me this week. He goes, "Who who no really? Who are you rooting for this week?" And I don't want to jinx it. It's just that simple. Brian Lord from the Mixed Morning Show. He's actually going to Vegas, and he's like, "I need you to tell me your Masters picks." And I'm like, oh, "Come on, be Lord. What what are we doing here? We can't no, jinx it." Talk. I'm not a golf guy, so I can jinx it. I okay. don't care. I want. I want chaos. I want my guy Brooks coming off the great win. He the great win. win. The great win in Orlando. Live golf fired me up. I'm into it. You and I disagree completely about it. I could not wish for anything more than him to wire to wire this thing. Go Brooks. I do think it'll be. I don't think this is going to be off the board. So Rom McElroy. Scheffler, I think you're looking at those big dogs this week. Maybe DJ, maybe Brooks. You know, they're they're fit for the course. The one guy, obviously, this question is leaning towards is Cameron Smith. He's a live guy. I do enjoy Cameron Smith, but he has not been playing well. Now I don't know what to make of that on the live tour. Has he not said <laughs> that he's just not playing? He doesn't. He's not practicing his game at all. He he's not paid. He has all but said yes. I really don't care about golf anymore. Which. Come on, man. But I'm hoping the azaleas. I'm hoping <laughs> that, 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 the, the pimento stroll, cheese. Yeah. I hope, I'm hoping I'm hoping the the master's meal. I think it was Scotty Scheffler's slider. It's the slider that's going to get him the, back in. The Scotty-style slider. All right. So, yeah, that, that's that's all I'm giving you 
which is is uh, not a lot of information to go off of, but maybe we'll figure it out by the end of the week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. One of the favorite things we do at this time of the year, Anthony, on this program is we talk about mock drafts. And you kind of have to get in the mindset that this is pure fan fiction. These writers who come up with these. I mean, the guys who go all seven rounds... Think about the the amount of time you have to invest to come up with a seven-round mock draft. Personally, I love the fake trades in a mock draft. That's when you're really like you're getting stacks on stacks there. So Dennis does a great job of finding mock drafts for us. What did you find for us today in the mock draft fantasy world, Dennis? I found us Michael Renner from Pro Football Focus. Michael Renner. A three-round draft. Oh, he kind of took the easy way out there, though. Three-round mock draft. So I think at this point, everyone is kind of square with C.J. Stroud being the number one overall pick of the Carolina Panthers. You okay with that, Anthony? Is that the right move? I I just don't want to see Bryce Young there. He's too small. C.J. Stroud, I I guess he's the top guy. I'm confused as to how any of these quarterbacks are going to make it in the league, but then again, you watch Anthony Robertson play – in shorts and t-shirts and you go wow that guy could be the greatest of all time yeah i would say in terms of scratch off tickets if you were to tell me it were to sit here in 2033 then you would say you know what anthony richardson turned out to be the best quarterback in that class i would say okay but i think that's more of like a one in ten chance as as opposed to i do think there's a really i think there's like a 75 percent chance that cj stroud is a good nfl quarterback but this is not our bag it is Sam Monson's bag, though. Sam is from Pro Football Focus, joining us now on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. Sam, is this thing at number one overall uh, a done deal, do you think? I, I think it looks like they're going to draft C.J. Stroud. I mean, I, I buy into everything we saw at his pro day where, you know, Josh McCown looked like he was ready to adopt him, where Frank Reich was over the moon, elated. Like, I don't see why you would fake that if you're looking seriously at Bryce Young or or these other quarterbacks. So, yeah, I think you have to assume that the Panthers brass does seem to love C.J. Stroud, and that's probably where they're going, unless there are other people, you know, within that war room that have a very strong voice that argue for something different. What do you think Stroud's strength is? I mean, his strength is definitely accuracy. Um, He's probably the most accurate quarterback in this class, though maybe people sleep on Bryce Young's accuracy a little bit. But he's got that accuracy. He's got that stature. You don't have to be concerned about unprecedented size concerns, you know, the the issue that Bryce Young brings to the table. It's a much more sort of safe, middle-of-the-road, on-the-fairway type of pick at at quarterback, which I think is, you know, there's – there's risk attached to some of these other guys that is, is going to scare teams away at number one. Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus, joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. That's Anthony Guerra. I'm Joe Giglio. All right, Sam, uh, Anthony Richardson, we were just talking briefly about him, and, it, and he obviously has these amazing you know, measurable numbers and, and wowed everyone at the Combine. But 
that's not exactly the tape that he put on, you know, last year at Florida. So where do you kind of fall with Richardson? His athleticism is obviously off the charts good. I mean, when you look at relative athletic score, um, he's the most athletic quarterback to ever come into the league. You know, more than guys like Cam Newton, Michael Vick, you know, all of these guys, Lamar Jackson. He's the most athletic when you factor in just how big he is. And I think in recent years, we're seeing evidence that that matters a great deal. You can do a ton with quarterbacks that are athletic um, and hugely athletic. So I think that brings him a very high floor. And we're kind of talking about this guy a lot in the wrong sort of ways. You know, that he's this incredible high ceiling. He, he has that, but I think his floor is incredibly high because of the kind of rushing attack you can build and give him time to work as a passer. Um, as a passer, his biggest problem is just inaccuracy. It's not that he doesn't know how to play quarterback, that he can't go through reads and progressions and uh, play the position the way it's supposed to be played. He's simply inaccurate at this point. And really that's a question for uh, quarterback coaches, for maybe individual coaches, guys like Jordan Palmer that work with these guys in off seasons or, or in individual time. Is this a mechanical problem we think we can fix? Even if it takes a year, maybe even two years, we can give you that kind of time with the offense we build, but is this something we can fix because that's going to determine where his ceiling is, or is he going to be a really inaccurate quarterback for the entirety of his career? Because that, I think, is a different proposition and potentially caps how good he can be. But I do think that his floor is very high because of that incredible athletic package. With, with In terms of Stroud, do you guys look at the wide receiver room that he had at Ohio State and say, huh, because that talent <laughs> a few guys. is so much higher, relatively speaking, in the college level than he would probably see on any NFL team on, on a comparative level. I mean, Harris is probably a top three pick in this draft right now, and we don't get to see him yet. Is that a, Does that count against in terms of stats, winning, all that kind of stuff? Are you worried that – with lesser wide receivers, he couldn't do more? Yeah, I don't know if it counts against them, but, you know, with all these guys projecting to the next level, you have to bear in mind things like competition, things like who they were throwing to, all this kind of stuff. So for years, I think Alabama quarterbacks had the same issue, that they're throwing to these guys that are wide open every single play. <laughs> um, and it's a different picture in the NFL. Like you hear stories about one of the adjustments quarterbacks have to make is – open at the NFL level is not the same as it is in college. And that's any college, then let alone Alabama or Ohio State, where these guys really are wide open with nobody near them for most of the time. In the NFL, you're talking about this guy's covered, but he has inside position on the DB. So that's open. Throw it. You know, it's a completely different picture. And I think for years, these Alabama quarterbacks had to kind of rewire what they were expecting to see on any given play. And I think it's probably true with those guys at Ohio State as well, given their receiving core. It's certainly true. Um, this is what makes Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee this year a really difficult evaluation because that offense is so divorced from anything it's going to have to be in the NFL. It, it's very difficult. And these are, I think, unknowns. It's not that you say, well, that's we take points away from him or we, we it's negative that – he dealt with that, but it does raise the question of, does that still work if we make the picture more difficult at the next level? Sam Munson, Pro Football Focus. You can find his work on Twitter at PFF underscore Sam. Sam, before we let you go here, 
who is the best player in this draft? If we took needs out of this, if we took position out of this, who's just the best football player in this draft? Yeah, if you take position value out of it, I think you can make a pretty strong case that Bijan Robinson, the running back from Texas, is the best player in the draft. I think you can make a pretty strong case that Jalen Carter is the best player in the draft if you are comfortable you know, with the legal problems that he had and an attitude and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's probably one of those two guys is the best pure football player in the draft. Sam Munson, pro football focus. You can catch his work there. Sam, appreciate you taking some time for us today here on the OG. Anytime, guys. Take it easy. Enjoy the draft. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.